Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, it's good to have you back this week. So I was in Bush, Alaska last week, and so we didn't do an episode, which is rare for us. Yeah, I, I, I kind of threw my schedule off. Um, <laughs> we're, we're even recording at an unusual time because we both forgot the actual time that we were supposed to get on. So, Yeah, I forget. Alaska has its own unique and special time zone. So I'm an hour behind you in California. Uh, still throws me off occasionally, but... That's all right. Yeah, and, and and over here in our neck of the woods, we're in the middle of VBS. My my voice sounds a little bit deeper than normal because uh, I've been going nonstop. Uh, normally, we get a day to kind of recuperate uh, myself and my wife on Monday. Um, but uh, it's been a blessing. We've had a lot of kids out there and a lot of uh, volunteers, and we just continue to pray that the Lord would bless that. Absolutely. Well, amen for that. One day, maybe we'll have our own building and we can do that. But the Lord has been gracious in uh, in what we have so far. Well, today, brother, we're going to pick up a new topic and talk about the fruits of the Spirit. You know, I don't know where this is going to go because there's just a lot of things happening out in the world all the time uh, that we could really tie into this. But let's just start by talking about our our passage. And I think, I mean, this is one of those topics where, you know, we could cover every few months. We'll never exhaust it. Um, There'll never be a time where it's not a good reminder for us because, you know, in our day and age where almost everyone is plugged into some kind of social media, it is easy uh, to exhibit quite the opposite of of these fruits of the spirit, and so it's a, it's going to be a good reminder. Galatians five twenty two and twenty three, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I think I should read that every time I get on social media. Yeah, that that uh, would be a good reminder for each and every one of us. And of course, when we think about the larger context, it starts back in verse 16, where we are challenged to walk by the Spirit um, so that we will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And I often say to people that this is really speaking to the heart of the spiritual war. When we think about the spiritual war, and I just got through last year preaching through Ephesians and, of course, the armor of God, but the spiritual war starts really in our heart. Uh, it's the battle of the flesh and the Spirit, and you have the deeds of the flesh described from verses 19 to 21, and then the fruit of the Mm -hmm. Spirit, as you have uh, just read. And and this is very important because our lives as Christians, we need to be walking by the Spirit. And you're right, on social media, we are constantly tempted not to or to um, to, to kind of stray from that, especially with some of the um, comments that we get and, and the way that people will attack the truth. We are challenged uh, in many ways, but this passage is here for us in order to help us understand what it looks like when we're walking by the Spirit. And this is also uh, <clears throat> this is also a great um, uh, apologetic for those who get carried away with the charismatic gifts, right? Uh, talking about, oh yeah, I, I hear people all the time um, <clears throat> saying to people like myself or others who do not believe in the, um, the the supernatural gifts that, well, you guys aren't spirit filled. You know the word of God and you teach it very well, but you're not spirit filled. Well, 
you know, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, to find out exactly what is the fruit of the Spirit. And what you won't see here um, are these kind of, um, you know, supernatural gifts that receive so much emphasis today. But what you do see are essentially character traits um, yeah. that should be showing through us as, as we walk with Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's it, if you're a believer, you... you you know, you have the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a believer without the Holy Spirit. That doesn't exist. Right. Um, I always find those comments interesting. I, I've I've been working on the African continent for quite some time, and I'll come across those similar kind of comments. Um, you know, well, you're such a great Bible teacher, uh, but you know, and then they'll bring that up, and you kind of think, well, wait a minute. It, it, if you think I'm teaching the Bible accurately, then why wouldn't you believe when we talk about this? Uh, you know, this area, but yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we should start out by saying if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, then you have the fruits of the spirit, right? So really what we're talking about for the believer is uh, how they're demonstrated in the process of sanctification, right? We grow in these things and how they're exhibited in our lives. Um, and, and, you know, if you're not a believer, then you just don't have these uh, because you don't have the Spirit of God in you. Mm-hmm. And, and so, there's no such thing as a believer who doesn't have these things, um, just depending on our maturity and where we are in the sanctification process. Um, there may be lots of times of conviction and, you know, where we walk out in the flesh rather than in the things of the Spirit. And so, we'll kind of talk about that uh, today, too. So, every believer not only just has access to these things, but you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And and so, we do walk in these things. And then sometimes, uh, because, you know, we are still sinners. We've been made righteous, but we still sin. Uh, These things can not play out in our lives as frequently as we would like them to or want them to. Yeah, exactly. And and again, this passage is warning us of that war that's ongoing within us. Um, So, Paul recognizes that battle um, and that the spirit is working against the flesh, the flesh is working against the spirit. And while we are a new creation with a new heart and the Holy Spirit within us, we still have um, something of the old man in us. And uh, that continues to war against um, what we desire from a spiritual perspective. And so, you're right. I, I think you made a great point about every believer having the spirit. Um, this is a promise. This is a promise from God. You can see that in Ephesians 1, that everyone is sealed by the Spirit upon responding to the gospel. Um, and uh, it's not that one person has more of the Spirit than another. Everyone everyone is given the Holy Spirit without measure. Uh, John says that, that uh, Jesus Christ baptizes with the Spirit without measure. Um, but we recognize that while everyone has the Spirit, um, we still have a calling to not quench the Spirit and, and not uh, n- not cause it to um, to be grieved. And there are multiple ways that that we can do that. So these passages are here to help us to recognize uh, when we are giving into the temptations of the flesh. But thanks be to God, because we have the Spirit, we have the power to tap into the power given to us by God that we may be able to show the kind of fruit that is intended by the Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's just go through these and see, see how far we get and talk about them. I mean, the yeah. first one is the spirit of love. Uh, sorry, the first fruit of the spirit listed is love. I mean, this is love is one of those words now in our society that is so misunderstood, perhaps one of the most misunderstood words I get here brought up because you hear the LGBTQ community talk about love and inclusiveness and accepting uh, acceptance. You hear, um, you know, just every 
uh, area that's out there. Every person that's promoting their their own belief system talks about love in our culture, right? Uh, in, in the American culture, it's all about love. The only problem is nobody defines it. Uh, and, and if it is defined, it's generally not defined in the way scripture would define it. So, when we say the fruit of the Spirit is love, what are we talking about? Well, let, let's maybe let's start with what we're not talking about. We're not talking about an emotionally driven response to something, um, right? We're not talking about a physical attraction. We're not talking about um, just that fleeting moment of emotionalism that we all get from time to time, right? Biblical love has nothing to do at all with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think the world would prefer not to try to come up with a definition for love for that exact reason, because much like the word truth, they want this to be subjective. And the way the world has treated the word love, it has been feelings. It has been emotions. So, love is there when you can feel it. It's not based upon some sort of objective standard. But of course, when we think about love, we think about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And by the way, a lot of the fruit that shows up here is a lot of what love is. And so, we find love in 1 Corinthians 13. And when you read through, and I think there's like 15 or 16 different um, descriptions of what love is, yeah. you find none of that involves emotions or feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you can go through that whole list, right? Love is kind. Love is uh, uh, sacrificial. Love yeah, is kind, patient. Yeah. Not jealous. Does not brag. Is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And I love that last one. And it mm, says, mm. also bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But we recognize even from 1 Corinthians 13, it it rejoices with the truth. So, it is not divorced from that which is objectively true in the eyes of God. So, that means within the Christian body, there is never a time where we can say we're loving someone if we're just standing back and abdicating and just standing back and uh, nullifying truth, right? We can't. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think of a, an example, my, my mentor, um, pastor, he, um, he, he talked about church discipline as an example. And, you know, when we go through church discipline, obviously the goal of church discipline is restoration. We want whoever is in mm -hmm. sin to be able to repent and be restored back to the body of Christ. Sometimes uh, a person will be put through uh, church discipline and then they'll just try to run off to another church. And uh, my pastor was explaining to me um, that he would call the shepherd of that church and say, hey, just so you know that so-and-so is living in sin and uh, person's going through the church discipline process. I want you to be aware. You may want to talk to this person. And the response that came back was, oh, we don't do that with our flock. We love them instead. Um, and so it's, it's creating a dichotomy between trying to call someone to repent and, and love. And uh, my pastor's response back was, oh, so you don't shepherd the flock then. And then the person hung up, hung up on him. Um, but yeah, so love, um, love, we have to recognize that that love is, is wanting what is right for the other person, not affirming um, how they feel or how they want to feel. Yeah, that I can just imagine being a fly on the wall hearing that conversation. But it, I mean, that's a very you think. I mean, what did these guys do? Like, you know, pull out their black sharpie to highlight uh, the First Corinthians passage. Um, when you get to love, they just scratch out the truth part, right? Rejoicing in truth, and right. and, and and that's. I mean, love always has to be centered around truth. If it's not centered around truth, 
then it's not genuine self-sacrificial love. There is something false. There is something um, selfish in the motivation if it is divorced from what's true. Maybe you just want to make someone feel good uh, because you, you you don't want to risk damaging relationship, but that's selfish, right? It, it really yeah. is. Um, or maybe you just don't like the truth yourself. I mean, we see a lot of this in the SBC. And I, I said to myself before we started that I wasn't going to bring any of the SBC stuff up, but um, <laughs> uh, but there we go. So, I didn't make any verbal promises, but, um, but it's true, right? I mean, we can confront, um, in fact, we must confront things that are in error out of love, um, we're, we're not loving if we don't do that. And you made a good point um, when you talked about church discipline, and it's the same reason we confront error. We do it because we love the individual and we hope that they're restored to truth, right? To what's righteous, to what's good, to what's pure. Ignoring those things is, in fact, quite the opposite of love. Uh, we could talk about how this is applicable in evangelism even, right? Yeah. There, you would um, get different views on what is quote unquote loving evangelism. Uh, we would say, and I, and I think you would agree with me that um, evangelism that's the most loving would be pointed evangelism that includes the truth of um, our fallen nature of sin, of what yes. is demanded because of that sin, calling the sinner to repentance, and then helping them understand that Christ has made a way. Uh, for that penalty to be paid. If it excludes that, right, if we skip the whole sin part, then whatever you've done, one, isn't really evangelism, and two, it's not loving. Yeah, amen. And uh, for, you know, some people might be listening to this thinking we are overemphasizing truth um, and, and trying to replace the word love for truth, and, and they don't mean the exact same thing. Um, but it's true. While they have different meanings, um, they are tightly connected. You know, we think about how Jesus Christ told the woman at the well that uh, God is seeking worshipers, true worshipers, okay, true worshipers who will worship in spirit and um, and in truth. Um, and so we we operate according to spirit and truth. Joshua, when he was confronting the um, the Israelites at the end of the book of Joshua, he he said something very similar to um, to be genuine, um, but to to also be worshipers of God in truth. So. Um, so we see that the two are often linked together. That um, that you can't truly be loving without understanding what the truth is. And just uh, just a, an analogy, um, an illustration, a true story. You may remember back in I think it was um, early two thousands. I want to say two thousand. Four, there was a huge tsunami that just swept through Southeast Asia, mm. um, wiped out the southern beaches in Thailand, but hit a number of different countries as well. And supposedly there was a young girl out in one of the beaches, not, um, I think, uh, possibly in, in India. But um, if you've ever been out to the beach and you've watched waves, you know that the water goes out before the waves can come in. That's just natural. They, they kind of ebb and flow. Um, well, the more the water goes out, the, the bigger the waves are that come in. And this one young girl was watching the ocean and the water just went out completely just beyond um, where people could see. I mean, it was it was like nothing else. And you saw fish flopping around everywhere. Mm. And uh, people were um, so excited to be able to go out and gather fish and whatnot. But this young girl, she had just learned about tidal waves that week, said to her mom, dad, uh, mom, dad tidal wave is coming and they looked at her and goes are you sure she said yes we just studied about this this week this is what happens when a tidal wave comes well now they know the truth so those parents they know the truth that a tidal wave is coming what are they going to do with the truth because everyone else is enjoying gathering all this excess fish 
Would the loving thing to do be just to leave? No, it would be to warn everyone, hey, a tidal wave is coming. Let's get out of here. And really, when we talk about the judgment of God, there's a tidal wave of judgment uh, that is coming to people that have not put their faith into Jesus Christ. And so before they can recognize and appreciate the good news, they must know the bad news. But for them to know the bad news, we have to be faithful to proclaim it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to give another real-time example, you know, all of the many faithful pastors and preachers and folks out there who are dealing with the critical race theory, I know it's come up all the time, but um, it's just a very real threat, right? Um, None of us bring that up to be harsh, to be divisive, to be, you know, those things. We do it because we love the truth, because we love the body, uh, because we love those who we shepherd and we want to protect them. We want to protect the body. We want to fight for the sufficiency of scripture. Uh, And so love would demand that when those things come and attack scripture or attack the body of Christ, that we address them. Right. But right. Yeah, go ahead, brother Jeff. Some yeah, on that. I know. I, I was just thinking Jesus Christ in his high priestly prayer. What does he say? Part of his prayer is sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. So our sanctification process in which we are becoming more and more like Christ. And then think also about the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You can't divorce that apart from actually knowing the truth of God and being in the word of God. Um, Jesus Christ said, man shall not live on bread alone, but upon every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Um, So, love um, is a lot of things, as we see in 1 Corinthians 13. It's um, self-sacrificial. It it, um, thinks of others, um, but it is absolutely rooted uh, in truth. And it's amazing that, as you mentioned, um, our society likes to think of it as more subjective, and yet um, what verse gets read more often, um, except for 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings, right? You hear this at every single wedding. And yet it just goes right in one year and out the other because many of those couples, unfortunately, they, what do they do? They get divorced. And what's the number one reason why they get divorced? Irreconcilable differences. Um, and so they have completely forgotten the covenant and they have mm-hmm. neglected uh, the very scriptures that were actually read. Yeah, they fell out of love. That yeah. would be a phrase you hear often. Right, they, they fall out of love and it's all, yeah, that, and that's completely subjective, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and I think, well, we'll move on to the next one, but the, the point is understanding that love is a demonstrative quality. Um, I, I mean, you think of uh, Jesus himself says, you love me, what, if you obey my commandments. Right. And, and so, love is always demonstrated by action. If yep. there's no action, then there's no genuine biblical love. You might have a feeling, you might have an emotion, you might have a, you know an attraction, all these other things, but what you don't have is love. Love is always demonstrated by our action. Generally, you know, it's a respectful, self-sacrificing posture uh, that that plays out in what you do towards another or towards a group or towards those around you. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and when, we, when we talk about love, I mean, our love first and foremost, just like the greatest commandment says, it, it's for God. Our, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that has to be cultivated. Um, that's not something that is just going to come to you naturally, because if you wait for it to just come to you naturally, once again, you're turning it into something that's subjective rather than objective. Um, you, you do cultivate um, a, a joy and, and, a, and a love for God um, by just meditating upon His truth, by spending mm-hmm. time with Him in prayer, by being in the Word, um, by, by doing His will. And so, when we talk about love and, and obedience, um, and you know, the FOF lesson, we both have taught fundamentals of the faith. We got that one lesson that connects the two um, very well. Um, but we want to emphasize that a love for God 
is what should motivate you to obey his commandments. Right. And if you're not <clears throat> motivated to obey his commandments, um, then you need to cultivate that love for God. Um, and uh, a lot of things reminding yourselves of the number of ways that y- you can be thankful, you know, first and foremost, um, by your salvation, um, by the word of God, by the fact that God has um, allowed you to continue living and, and to actually be a vessel for his goodwill. Um, you could probably look back at your life and see all the various ways that he has spared you uh, at one time or another from going down a path that uh, would have uh, would have sent you straight to hell. Um, there, there's a there's a multitude of ways to, to be thankful to God, uh, to rejoice in God and to really spend time with him and help to motivate your hearts, stoke up that flame of fire in your heart to love God and, and to be motivated to do his will. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a great practical exercise to do is just occasionally um, take out a sheet of paper and do just what you said, but write down everything you can think of God's graces and, and, and things in your life, the things that, you know, you can look back now uh, and say, yes, you know, God kept me from this. Uh, this is God working in my life. Yeah. We don't know those things in the midst of it all the time, but oftentimes we can certainly look back and we say, okay, after it's all played out, surely this was the hand of God in my life. Um, and just write down all of those things and just spend a few minutes and, and pray in thanksgiving uh, to God. And, and, and those are good ways to stir that affection uh, for the Lord and stir up our, our love for, for God. We should say as we move on to the next one, because uh, we're talking about uh, love and obedience, um, it, the direction matters, right? So we obey out of love which in turn produces more love actually. Um, But there are, you know, it's the legalistic side. What you can't do is just strictly obey and and think that you're earning something or right. So it doesn't work that way. But um, so, yeah, there, there we go. Love. There's a lot we could say about that. um, But we'll move on to the next one. The next one is joy. I mean, we'll find a lot of these are so contrary to what, the world would view them as right so joy i mean instantly when i think of joy as is portrayed in the world we think of like man your favorite uh baseball you know team just won a game and so you're filled with joy in the moment right um or you know someone throws on your favorite steak cut on the grill and you're excited about that (laughs) that that would be the kind of joy that uh types of things that i see a lot in the world but what what does what does the fruit of joy look like yeah and joy once again i i think back to first corinthians 13 and we saw as one of the descriptions of the uh, fruit of love is that uh, is that you rejoice uh, with the truth mm-hmm. um, so so you you find contentment you you do find an inner contentment and joy um, that cannot be taken away from this world in fact i'm thinking of now of um, philippians chapter 4 let me go there real quick so philippians chapter 4 when Paul tells us um, to rejoice always, to rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Your requests be made, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, a, a joy is um, is a 
uh, I'm not afraid to say it. It is a happy outlook, but it's a happy mm-hmm. outlook that's centered upon God. I mean, it's yeah. it's an inner happiness that's not dependent upon circumstances, but it's dependent upon the fact that you know God. And it's like what Paul said um, also in Philippians. He, he talked about the secret to contentment. I've learned the secret to being content in mm-hmm. all circumstances. And he talks about having much or having little. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Well, that's not saying that um, God is going to strengthen you to do whatever you want. Um, that's saying that God will strengthen you to do whatever God wants you to do, right? Yeah. And so we we recognize that there is a joy that it's a supernatural joy that that comes from God, finding contentment in whatever circumstance He puts you in. It's not to, dependent upon our circumstances. That's what a lot of people do. Even Christians, even those who call mm-hmm. themselves Christians, their joy, their outlook will ebb and flow based upon what's going on around them. Uh, but Jesus Christ, even when he was talking to the disciples in the upper room, he says, my joy I give to you, and this is not like the world's joy. It is very different. This is a joy that cannot be taken away. Yeah, absolutely. And you made some good points there. Joy, you know, joy includes happiness, but then it goes far beyond that. Right. And so we still experience the the feelings of happiness when it goes beyond that or in those times where the circumstances uh, don't allow for happiness. Right. There are certainly um, normal situations where it would be weird if you were happy in the midst of. Right. Uh, If you experience those feelings, but you can find joy in sorrow. Um, right. There's no happiness there, but you can find joy. And that's because joy is not based on outside circumstances. Um, and so there certainly are those times where we feel we have joy and we feel happiness. And then there's times where we endure suffering and yet we still have joy. And we see the Apostle Paul in many instances um, speaking of contentment, you, you just look through the list of sufferings he gives, right? He's yeah. been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been uh, whipped uh, several times, all, you know, almost to death. He's had these experiences, and yet he has found contentment in the midst of all those. And, and, and what he's saying is he's had joy in the midst of all those because he's looking to Christ, um, the the person and work of Christ. And that's you know, produces hope and produces joy um, in the midst of those circumstances where we're just not happy. Uh, so we don't have to be happy to That's be right. joyful. Yeah, and, and and I think it can't. It, it has to include um, really a, a mindset that's set on eternity. You know, Peter says in First Corinthians uh, one thirteen to set your hope completely um, upon yeah. the um, grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ, talking about the second coming of our Lord. And speaking about Paul, Second Corinthians four seventeen. And I just saw this come across Twitter a couple of days ago. Um, Paul says this: for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And even First Peter, I think about First Peter, and we know the uh, context of First Peter. Peter is writing um, amid it's the uh, affliction, uh, the persecution that's happening mm-hmm. at the hands of Nero, right? Yeah. And yeah. so Peter is writing to Christians um, outside of uh, Rome concerned that that persecution is going to spread out to them. And how does Peter open up his letter after his greeting? He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter starts off with reminding us how we are blessed. And even going down to verse six, what what do you say? In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Those trials um, are intended to make you more like Christ. 
Uh, Philippians yeah. one twenty nine says, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. And that word granted has the word grace in it. It's basically the word grace turned into a verb. It's been given to you by grace for the sake of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. And of course, when we hear the word suffering, we don't like suffering. We prefer not to go through it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And yet, Paul says, it's been given to you by the grace of God. Uh, Romans 8.29, we have been predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. And, and how does that happen? It happens through the circumstances that God lovingly and sovereignly brings into our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I think it's helpful to go back and take a brief history lesson. When we look at these apostles writing about contentment and writing about joy and writing about um, having that in the midst of suffering, it's helpful for us in the Western world to just be reminded of what their world looked like. I mean, if you're not familiar with Nero, Nero was a nasty emperor. Um, so, it, basically, Nero set Rome on fire, and, and then he blamed the Christians for it. Right, everyone knew it, um, but he blamed the Christians for it. I mean, this is the guy who, under Nero, was some of the worst persecution the church had ever experienced. I mean, he would burn Christians alive on fire, um, you know, literally use them for candles, basically, uh, in the evenings. And, you know, they were hunted down, they were thrown in coliseums uh, to fight wild beasts. I mean, this is the life um, that we're looking at when we read the apostles talking about being content content in trials right we think of trials and i mean rightfully uh, because we don't live in in you know in rome uh, during those times but you know we might think of you know i we had a bad snowstorm and i the power went out four or five hours um you know when they talk about trials uh, you know they're thinking about christians getting eaten alive in the Colosseum fighting off wild beasts or, uh, I mean, just heavy, heavy persecution. You go through all the sufferings of Paul, and that's not to say that um, we don't suffer in our own context here, but it's a good reminder of um, in, in such an extreme, right, they're still saying we find joy, we find contentment, yes. um, and while we may suffer for a little while, there's hope and there's peace. And man, what a perspective! Um, in in by comparison, we suffer very little uh, from, by the from the early church. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, just studying history, studying the biography biographies um, of martyrs, uh, forefathers of the church um, who have gone through far greater than what we are facing, but not all that different from people who are in places like China or Iran, um, where they really um, are putting their own livelihood at risk in order to um, follow Christ. And I think about how, once again, Chinese Christians will share the gospel mm -hmm. with unbelieving Chinese. Uh, they will s present the gospel, but they will tell them, but you will suffer for following Christ. In other words, hey, I'm giving you good news, but recognize what's coming. Um, you will suffer. And uh, when we think about, um, yeah, when we think about that, that, uh, and we're st still talking about joy here, but there is a connection with peace as well. Um, yeah, we, we find joy um, just in knowing God, in, in knowing who He is, knowing where we're going, and, and knowing that His purposes cannot be thwarted no matter what comes our way. And when we look at our brethren in Canada, you know, we, and there's been a couple of times I've been called out on this, um, but I, I think there's, um, you know, there are people that are not appreciating the nuance here. Um, I grieve for our brothers who are imprisoned. 
Okay, I grieve for our brothers who are being persecuted and imprisoned, and yet I also recognize that if they have the Spirit of God, that they will still rejoice for being mm-hmm. for for suffering. But still, if given if, if it was up to me, I'd rather they not be persecuted in that way, but rather be released so that they can proclaim the word of God. So both can be true. That yes, they are being persecuted; they are suffering; um, they're going to be blessed by that, and at the same time, we grieve with them as well. So there, we we can be both suffering as well as rejoicing at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, you hear the apostles say things like they count it joy to be afflicted for the sake of Christ, right? And so, there certainly is that reality. But again, it just points to the fact that it's not based on your current circumstance, right? right? Joy comes from something supernatural, something from outside of us uh, comes from God. And so, this is something that the world without Christ cannot literally cannot experience. Um, they can experience the uh, times of happiness, right? The emotion of that. Um, they can experience a, a, a natural contentment that was God's common grace to us all when things are going well and that sort of thing. But this kind of joy that supersedes, um, you know, tortures and uh, just extreme circumstances and sufferings is something that only comes from the Lord. Uh, and all Christians, right, have. Uh, the Holy Spirit indwelling inside them uh, right. that gives them access to this supernatural thing we call joy. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, peace. I, and I think I think we'll probably end end on peace today. We're not going to get through all these. Um, that's a big one. And uh, yeah. let let me just say, I, I'm just going to bust the SBC thing open here. Um, you know, I'm we're in the Southern Baptist Convention, and and you're not. Um, but we talked about how what happens in the SBC is just sometimes a good picture of Western Christianity because it's so many churches involved. Yeah. Um, I think what I have noticed, and if you're on any social media, is people who have forgotten uh, good, well-meaning, wonderful, dear brothers and sisters who have who have forgotten where their peace lies because there's mm-hmm. been upset. Um, we can go back to the the. Uh, politics, uh, you know, the the change of administration, and you saw, you know, a lot of believers lose their peace um, yeah. o- over getting a candidate that, um, you know, hates life and all that sort of thing. Uh, SBC, we, we, you know, we ended up with a president that uh, I think more and more we're discovering is not, not good for the SBC, uh, but we shouldn't lose our peace over that, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Why shouldn't we lose our peace over outside circumstances? Well, again, it's having the eternal mindset. It's recognizing that nothing that happens in this world can upset what's going to, um, what the, the rewards that we're going to receive in eternity, um, being in the presence of God and Jesus Christ and, and with all of our fellow saints. And, you know, I laugh when you bring up the SBC and, and I, I laugh because it's so it's so tragic, actually. I mean, it's it's grievous and it's tragic. And and I noted the other day that, you know, everything that's coming out of kind of this fallout just just continues to get worse and worse. And yet, uh, we understand that God is sovereignly in control of all things. Um, I mentioned Romans eight twenty nine. You are predestined to become conformed into the image of your Son, but that comes right after Romans eight twenty eight, which says He causes all things to come together for good. And so while we see that there is evil in the world and, and people will be held accountable for the evil that they commit, even us as Christians, um, though we are saved, um, you know, we, you know, we will still be held to an account. Uh, we're going to be at the, in, in the Bema seat before Christ. Um, he's going to determine the rewards that we get uh, in heaven when we get there. You know, so those things um, we're still held to an account. 
Um, and, and that's that has been lost, unfortunately. That uh, there's there's a loss of uh, people just uh, losing their marbles, whether it's American politics or uh, or or within the uh, denominations or, or whatnot, and and people covering up the these wrongdoings and all that. But coming back to peace, peace first and foremost is between us and God, right? Um, we were at enmity uh, with God. And when Jesus Christ says, blessed be the peacemakers, he's not talking about those who avoid war at all costs here in this world. Um, it is good to try to avoid war, but he is talking first and foremost, um, those who are at war against God and, and those who bring the good news in order to bring about that, that peace. Because what did Jesus end up saying later? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, right? So yeah. when he's talking about yeah. earthly relationships, he is saying that you're going to have difficulty, but the peace that you're going to have is first and foremost between you and God and then you and other believers. Yeah, this kind of peace is not a pacifist type of peace, right? That's not what we're talking about. Absolutely. And I, I think this is good to remember, especially in, you know, well, every couple months or so, Twitter and the social media world world blows up because there's something crazy happening. Um, the Babylon Bee is no longer satire. They're really a profit website because it seems like <laughs> they really... <laughs> I have reality to stop seems, laughing. Uh, yeah, reality is more ridiculous than than the things that they predict like, now. Absolutely, and and when they do uh, come out with a satire piece, it sounds it seems like in a month it will happen. Um, so if Babylon B guys are watching, stop it. But any, <laughs> any, anyway, uh, but when those things happen, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are at peace with the God, uh, with God, and that's really what matters most. And so you know, we don't. God doesn't need the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, God doesn't need America as it is. And I know a lot of guys will not like me saying that, but that's just the reality. Um, You know, we need to get back to uh, the view of, well, the view that Pilgrim's Progress paints, right? We are sojourners. We are here for a time. We are headed to the celestial city, city. This is not our home. Right. And sometimes we get so attached to uh, what's going on here on Earth that just a little bit of upset causes us to lose, you know, to, to, to walk out of yeah. love and out of joy and out of peace. Um, you know, it's no big secret that the Southern Baptist Convention has a president that apparently is favorable towards plagiarizing sermons. Um, I think that's undisputable at this time, but you know what? I, I don't have to crumble over that news. Uh, do I think, you know, we should address it? We should deal with it. Uh, we should be firm in that. We should be loving in that. Uh, but you know what? Regardless of what happens, I don't lose my peace uh, because it's not wrapped up in earthly administrations. And w- we need to remember that because it's very easy to get caught up and sucked into those things. Yeah, and and there is a connection, and I'm going to read through just a few verses, but there is a very tight connection between all of these. And and it reminds me that when um, John MacArthur had preached through this section, he pointed out that fruit is singular um, to say this, that the fruit of the Spirit is not just one of these things, but it's all of these things. And the the more you study these attributes, I think the more Mm -hmm. you see the truth of that. Um, Joy and peace are often connected together. I mean, just think about uh, Philippians 4, and I read through this earlier, but um, 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then going down to verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing but everything by 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. And verse seven says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Now, what does that mean? You have a peace of God that's not going to make sense to the world because you're going to be going through circumstances that look like um, you should be responding in a very different way. Now, this world, much like a lot of these words we're going through, much like a lot of these traits we're going through, um, this world will turn these words into being purely subjective. So people often say, I have a peace about this. I have a peace about this. Well, you can have a peace about that and it's not according to the truth, right? You can have a peace about that and not actually have peace with God. Um, But in the case of true peace, you, you should have true peace that actually leads you to feeling that peace, all right? So, the once again, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. And then I think also to Jesus in the upper room, John chapter 16, just before he gives his high priestly prayer, verse 33 says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In mm-hmm. the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So having a peace with God does not mean peace in the world, but having a peace in God should overcome whatever the world will bring to you. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, I mean, mean, that's where the peace comes from, the fact that God has overcome the world, right? Um, And so things shouldn't throw us for a loop, as it were. Um, And yeah, absolutely. And you'll find every single thing in this list, the the world uh, defines as something that's subjective. There's not one item in this list yeah. That that isn't the case for. You made a really good point. Um, this is one fruit, right? And and we often do dissect it just like we're doing now to talk about kind of each specific you know trait. Uh, but it's not a spirit of love and a separate spirit of joy and a separate spirit of peace. And so you just work on one, and then maybe you need to go to the spirit of peace and work on another. Um, th- these are the fruits of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, and there's just right. one Holy Spirit. Right. And so as we grow in grace and we mature, um, you know, as we're obedient to the word, as we're plugged into our local church, um, as we exercise the one another's, really an individual should see growth kind of in all of these areas. Right. Um, and, 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 and you'll know these things. Uh, it takes time. We're not talking about um, any kind of sinless perfection or anything like that. But we'll see growth in all of these things. Um, And yet, there are certainly those times where um, we will find that maybe we're weaker in one area uh, than another or, you know, there are those times. In fact, I I so appreciated uh, Nate Pickowicz. I I hope I said his last name correctly. That's right. Um, You know, he deleted something on Twitter recently. I don't think he really needed to. It wasn't anything mm-hmm. bad. But what I saw in that is, um, it, you know, just a, a, a kindness, yeah. right? And a gentleness and a self-control and a humility in that. And so, although he didn't need to do that, um, it, you know, it was just a good display of someone who uh, is, is, yeah, demonstrating those fruits of the Spirit. And so, and, and we'll all have those things, right? Uh, but, but I think that was a a good example recently of something that I noticed. Um, yeah, no, I, I I agree, and it was interesting that uh, I, I and and the reason why he deleted it wasn't because he's um it wasn't because he supports plagiarism I, that was ridiculous that some people accused him of that, um but but it was that um he felt that the tone of the tweet was more snarky, and and he didn't want you know that to be really his his testimony and it was interesting that he spoke to um dustin benge as well um and, and came to to that conclusion um but then he issued another tweet um not snarky at all but just clarifying that look 
Um, if you're a pastor and you're resorting to plagiarism, you need to step down. And and here's the thing, you know, so we're not going to lose our joy or peace based upon what's going on with the SBC or, you know, whether pastors are plagiarizing. But here's why it's a big deal, because all of these things are rooted in truth. Yeah. And and we we understand the truth of God's word, the responsibility given to shepherds. And the office of the pastor is one that is not to be taken lightly. The, the office of the pastor is one in which he must be shepherding the flock. He must be caring for the flock, which means that he must be in the word himself, um, driving out his own convictions, uh, driving out uh, what is um, important in that passage, but also how it applies specifically to the flock given into his care. Yeah. You and I can preach the exact same passage. We'll probably come up with a lot of similar principles, maybe even exactly the same principles. Um, but your flock is not my flock. They're not going through the exact same things. And, and so you are specially equipped yeah. um, to, to know what your flock is going through and to be able to show them exactly how that applies in their lives. And same with me and my flock. And so when we make a big deal about pastors who are plagiarizing, um, it's to protect the office and to protect the importance of shepherding the flock faithfully. And that's, by the way, another fruit of the Spirit, um, as yeah. we're going to mention the faithfulness. Um, but yeah, that, that's the reason why th this is a big deal, because pastors have a huge calling. And it first and foremost starts with your time in the Word and your time administering the Word to your flock based upon your own studies and your own convictions yeah. and your knowledge of who they are. Well, you know, since we're on that topic, brother, I, I, to put it a different way, um, plagiarism in the pulpit it is antithetical immediately to five of the nine that were here that we're that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, arguably all of them, but I mean, kindness. It's definitely not kind to the 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 person who put all all the right. original work and effort in. It's not good, right? Right. It's not faithful as a right. shepherd. It's yeah, certainly, certainly not self control. Right. It's certainly not self control, and I would argue that it it's in a spirit. It, it's not. It's not coming from a place of gentleness, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's an act of violence to do that, really, uh, because you're stealing another's work and promoting it as your own. Um, and so, yeah, it, so it is a big deal, right? Because it's not just, you know, reading someone else's sermon. Now, I did think after all of this, uh, may, maybe we'll do um, a, a, a a Spurgeon sermon series where I just read some of Spurgeon series on a Sunday night or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Totally different uh, idea, right? Yeah, uh, that that is that is yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, I I think and I think that's I, I think that's a great great idea. I mean, on a on a Sunday night, um, you know, help them to to hear some of the great sermons in the past. But there's a difference between taking mm -hmm. someone's sermon and pretending like it's your own versus yep. actually showing, hey, here's a great faithful man of God. Let me read to you some of the things that he wrote and be blessed by it. Um, that that's that's a different thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a violation of 2 Timothy 2.15, right? Uh, be diligent to present yourself approved right. um, as a worker. I mean, you're, you're not the worker if you're, if right. you're doing that. So, right. uh, but in any case, well, so love, joy, peace. We'll pick up uh, patience next week. Uh, but we hope that this is helpful for you guys. Sometimes it's just good. We know that you know these verses and you've gone through it. You probably have it memorized, but it's good to sit back and contemplate these things uh, from time to time because we do kind of get in a, a rut uh, working. We get worked up over, I mean, we've had an intense couple of years, right? We've had all the COVID stuff, the lockdowns, 
Um, I, I just listened to uh, MacArthur today, this past Sunday, saying that their their court case has been put off yet again. Mm. Uh, and so they're still dealing with that. Uh, we've got pastors in Canada who are in jail. Think of Tim Stevens and his family. Pray for them. Um, you just got all this stuff going on, the stuff with, with the SBC, if you're in the Southern Baptist Convention, or if you're not and you just care about truth. It, it bothers us, and it should, yeah. right, to a degree. But, but... Um, our hope isn't in any of these entities. Uh, our joy doesn't come from our situations. Our, our peace is not determined upon our freedom or or not. Uh, and so we can look at all these things and not be moved uh, negatively by them because God is sovereign. Amen. There's no one in jail. Um, there's no SBC president. There's no political party in authority outside of God's divine working. We don't know uh, what, he's, what he's doing, and we don't know what he's accomplishing, um, other than to say, ultimately, he will receive glory, um, and, and it will challenge us to be faithful and to trust in him. And for those who are called, uh, it will work out for our good as well. And so, um, yeah, this exercise and enjoy the fruits of the Spirit, because we have them as believers, and don't let the world uh, dictate those things. Any Amen. last words, brother? Yeah, just give thanks for the perfect word of God, um, that there's an endless well of wisdom that we can draw upon. Um, it, it's constantly instructing us, correcting us, rebuking us, helping us to um, see what is the true path that, that we must cling to. So I give thanks for the word of God and these opportunities that we have to just be able to talk about them, encourage one another in them, and uh, for this podcast to be able to share uh, really the insights that um, we've been given by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear your comments. If you have questions for us, you can email us at uh, truthbeknownpodcast at gmail.com. The Truth Be Known Podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known Podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.